0: Welcome back to Everything's Public Health. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. How much seafood do you eat?
1: Okay, clarifying question before I answer. Sure. What do you mean by seafood? Do you mean fish? Do you mean shellfish?
0: Anything that comes from the sea. Anything
1: that comes out of the sea. Okay. Okay. So one of my most favorite ocean proteins, as we've talked about before, is shrimp. Yes. I do eat a good amount of shrimp, probably a a few times a month at a minimum. We eat fish a couple of times a month, you know, a few times a year. We might eat oysters a few times a year. We'll pick crabs. So I don't know, average, slightly more than average. Yeah. How about you?
0: So I don't eat seafood that frequently. I am not a fan of most shellfish. You
1: don't like the shrimps? I love shrimps.
0: Only if they're appealed for me. So <laughs> I don't want to do their work.
1: I mean, I would say the shrimps that I eat have the tail on them. Otherwise,
0: okay, tail's fine. You could just sort of pull it off.
1: Yeah. You know, you pick it up. You, you, you use the tail as a handle.
0: Yes, exactly. That's what that's for. But in general, don't eat a lot of seafood and uh, especially nothing with shells on them. Not a big fan of oysters or stuff like that as well. The primary seafood that I eat is fish. And even then, I eat very rarely. And I don't really know why I don't eat more seafood. Because... I like them. I just, I don't know. But it's just never never worked itself way into my routine.
1: To be honest, seafood's expensive.
0: Oh, yeah, very expensive. And
1: yeah. we get seafood shipped to us from the Wild Alaskan Fish Company every three months or something. But it is not, it's not cheap either. It's like no. between 7 and $12 a portion, depending on the fish. And, you know.
0: I guess I don't, I've never spent the money to buy good quality seafood. I've always gotten it at supermarkets and they tend to be a little lackluster. But anyway, so the reason I brought up seafood is because it's a topic of today. The environment is a critical component of our health in many ways. It could be your immediate surroundings. So in that case, we're talking about the built environment for most people. And we talked about, you know, breakaway streetlights. And we'll certainly talk about more things that's in the built environment that could impact our health. It could be the climate. We did an episode a while back about heat. Because of climate change and global warming, we're getting more and more heat waves or just extreme weather events to be more accurate. And that obviously is awful if you ever ever lived in a place that goes up to triple digits. It could also be the actual environment and this blue marble that we're sitting on is finite
1: it took me a second i was like we what blue marble like is your desk marble what what do you mean you you mean the earth, earth.
0: <laughs> it's, the blue but it's not marble. just
1: it's not just blue
0: it's blue and green i guess if you turned it so it is really interesting if you turn it to face the pacific ocean it looks completely blue that's how big the pacific ocean is
1: that's really i didn't know that that's really cool
0: yeah so the pacific ocean is massive it's literally half side okay so,
1: all right blue marble
0: So the blue marble that we're sitting on is finite. Meaning that, you know, there's not an infinite amount of resources for us to consume. And I saw this tweet a few weeks ago where it's like this might be the first time i'm gonna bleep myself on the show because i'm quoting a tweet so my first cuss word
1: oh my gosh this is a big deal it's a
0: big deal so i just want to say join
1: me welcome to the dark side
0: <laughs> i'm quoting someone so this is not coming out of my mouth technically but <laughs> you're rolling your eyes
1: <laughs> all right just lay it on us already good lord all this build up
0: what was it it sucks to live in the find out generation when the previous generation was around something like it sucks to be at the end of the generation, and we're in the find-out generation.
1: Yeah. No, you know what? That's really fair. I like that.
0: Yeah, because in the 60s, or just the latter half of the 1900s, or the 20th century, we exploited thinking that the Earth was infinite. And I mean,
1: think about the Industrial Revolution, and all the sh That we pumped out into the air, dug out of the ground, thinking
0: that it'll just go away.
1: Yeah, like oh, no problem, and now we're we are reaping what we have sown. No, that's not fair. (laughs) We are reaping what our ancestors have sown, and
0: that's. We talked about air pollution, right? So all those air pumped into the atmosphere, they don't just magically float out into all that
1: air pumped out into the atmosphere.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) all that you know pollutants <laughs> pumped out into atmosphere <laughs> they don't just float away into space they're still here with us so oh,
1: the struggle is real today gosh
0: <laughs> the struggle is real today so we're going to talk about the destruction of ecosystems and habitats and how that can impact our health and the reason why I asked about seafood is because i think it's hard for people to visualize a connection if i tell you the amazon is being destroyed you might be like oh that's really sad but what does that have to do with me so the reason why i pick The ocean and seafood is because it is one of the most direct examples of how us destroying the environment comes back to haunt us because all the things we put in the ocean comes back in a process called biomagnification, which uh, have you heard of this? Yes. So to your knowledge, what is it? Yeah.
1: Little fish, or, you know, whatever comes along and eats some of this stuff that's in the water while it's, you know, doing its thing. Bigger fish comes along and eats that smaller fish and gets up all the stuff. People listening at home can't yeah, see my she's visual. she's doing the
0: baby shark hand thing <laughs> in front of the camera.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then a larger fish comes along and like and it just accumulates so that the larger fish in the ocean, like tuna, for example, can have a lot of mercury or lead or other literally anything right plastics like you know accumulating and then because of all the stuff that we pump out into the water it's getting picked up by all the little fish which get eaten by the bigger fish and so on up until the the big guys
0: yeah and then this is a very what do you call it of intense process because I don't think we understand how much Little fish, big fish eat. They eat a lot of little fish and it's not just like the ratio of big fish to little fish, like the amount of fish they eat is like sometimes uh a hundred to one body weight or something. Like they eat so much little fish or more accurately, plank little fish eat a lot of plankton. Mm-hmm. And then the big fish eat a lot of lake. So it's the ratio is not like oh one to two. It's we're talking about like multiple magnitudes of increase of mercury levels, for example, up the food chain.
1: Well and if, if you're a big tuna, <laughs> eating a couple of tiny fish are not really going to satiate your hunger, right? You need to eat lots of little fish.
0: Yeah, so we have multiples of magnitudes of increase up the food chain. And us humans, we tend to eat big fish. I mean, we do eat small fish, I guess.
1: Sardines can be good. Sardines,
0: yeah, sardines. Anchovies. Are anchovies and sardines the same? (laughs) Is it the same fish treated differently or are they just different fish?
1: Well, now I'm questioning everything I know about life. I thought they were different fish. Okay, along with being larger, sardines also have a lighter, less intense flavor than anchovies, which are known for their distinct and aggressive umami rich flavor. That's according to foodandwine.com.
0: So they are different fish.
1: Well, yeah, because I should have trusted myself. Ancho, these are teeny (laughs) tiny, you know, make me question my reality here, MJ.
0: Sorry about the gaslighting. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so in this process called biomagnification, stuff that we put in the ocean, even though, you know, we might think it's diluted because the ocean is so big, they come back in terms of seafood that we're getting. So what are things that we put in the ocean? The most well-known one is mercury right mercury is the one that got a lot of press back in the days when they were testing different fish and found out that they have really high mercury levels and this is more significant of a health risk to a pregnant woman because they are carrying a fetus inside so mercury got a lot of press but you know literally anything we pump in the ocean Can follow this process like lead as well, arsenic, the millions of runoffs and pollutants, whatever industrial process generates also can follow this process and come back to haunt us.
1: Yeah, we're talking about sort of the chemical pieces, right? And some of these pollutants that we're producing as part of being an industrialized nation. But like bigger plastics, yes, like plastic bottles, plastic water bottles, et cetera, are a huge problem. You know, there's, for folks who don't know, in Baltimore, basically anytime it rains or it's really windy, all of the trash from Baltimore like blows into the harbor. And there's this really cute little garbage sucker-upper Yeah, thing.
0: Mr. Trash or Professor Mr. Trash. Mr.
1: Trash, yeah. And it, you know, scoops up all the trash and tries to get it out of the water, but... A lot of places have the same issue as Baltimore, but they're not scooping this water out. And I was reading something the other day. This might be an older estimate because this was something I was reading from a while ago. But at least 10% of the plastic bottles that we're producing, like sort of bottles and different pieces, cups, whatever get blown into the ocean Mm -hmm. every year. Either they might fall off of a boat, I don't know. Or just trash. Right, It just trash blows in. And there's like a a vortex in the Pacific Ocean. The
0: garbage patch, yeah. Yeah,
1: the currents pull it together and there's just like this big... Multiple, actually, I think, big patches of garbage and plastic floating around in the ocean, which is very
0: sad. Yeah, it's the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And I'm actually curious about this because the last time I checked, it was the state of Texas. That's how big it is.
1: Yes. The National Geographic has a great story or information around the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And yeah, it's pretty big.
0: The current estimate is 1.6 square kilometers. Oh, sorry. 1.6 million square kilometers. I'm missing six zeros.
1: And, you know, we we were talking about seafood, right? But there are also birds that spend time in the ocean, obviously, you know, flying around, doing uh-huh. their thing. And they eat fish that have eaten garbage or other things, and they can have issues, and they're finding birds that are dying, and they open them up, and they are full of garbage that they have sort of eaten. Yeah, it's really sad. Just plastic, yeah. Bottle caps. and
0: Yeah, so the Great Pacific Garbage Patch is 1.6 million square kilometers, three times the size of France. And that's just garbage just in the ocean. Just a huge chunk of garbage is floating in the Pacific Ocean.
1: And we haven't talked about sea turtles either, which are really sad. I know. They get trapped in nets because they look like jellyfish or they eat straws. Mm -hmm. Please don't use plastic straws. Use a reusable straw or a compostable straw.
0: Or just don't use a straw. It's uh, surprisingly easy to pick up something and just drink it with your mouth instead of using a straw.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, a lot of companies have not facilitated the use of strawless cups, mm-hmm. right? So for a long time, you go to Starbucks, yeah. just throwing Starbucks under the bus. They're yeah. not the, the only place. The cup and the lid that they give you is not conducive for drinking without a no, straw. No, you have to take the lid off. Right. right, And so more and more places now have like the the sippy cup style the cat lid, which is great. And, you know, using plant-based pseudo-plastics, I guess, for cups, even, straws, silverware, disposable silverware, all those things, so that they compost and break down as opposed to just perpetuating forever in our environment.
0: Yeah, so one thing I think a concept to keep in mind is that plastic takes forever to degrade, which means almost every single piece of plastic we have ever made still exists somewhere on this planet, whether in the landfill or in the ocean. And then this is a good segue to the public health aspect so we talk about biomagnification, how these things can accumulate up the food chain and then humans eat it and that's you know really bad for us but what if you're a vegetarian right what if you say you know what Cass and mj i don't eat fish i don't eat anything coming from the sea am i spared of this and the answer is no because all these things in the ocean they're destroying habitats and when habitats are, are destroyed that creates other issues that may affect us so for example wetlands, which I guess is not really part of the ocean, but that's that's just an example. So when we destroy wetlands, either by plowing it so that we could build a, a city or town on top of it. Wetlands are very good at absorbing water. So if we destroy wetlands, you get more flooding, like just way more flooding than there would have been if the wetland was still there. So that's one thing. And wetlands also serve as a good filter for things that uh, go into the ocean. So that's one example.
1: Some of the plastics that are in the ocean, if the plastic becomes too dense, it falls down to the bottom, it can smother sea plants that keep water oxygenated you know we've got those huge algae patches
0: uh, yeah algae blooms yeah. yeah algae
1: blooms that are killing off wildlife well you might not consume food that comes out of the ocean the sort of deoxygenation sort of killing off all of these like that mucks up other pieces right because the whole world is interconnected despite what some folks think doing one thing in one place does not isolate that sort of activity and impact To that one place, air moves around, right? Water moves. All of these activities are interconnected and leading to bad outcomes.
0: Everywhere, Yeah, this is the last piece I want to talk about before we move on to microplastic. We mentioned in the environmental racism one, the environmental justice episode, these burdens are not distributed equally. So you might not eat fish, but there are a lot of cultures and a lot of uh, smaller countries out there where their primary source of food is seafood because they're island nations or because that's just the culture. They eat a lot of seafood. So you might not eat fish, but these pollutants and these plastics in the oceans definitely affect different people at different levels. And in public health, we care about the health of everyone. So when we talk about plastic pollutions, maybe your beach in America doesn't have any garbage or waste on them. But that garbage waste is somewhere on someone else's beach. And that smothers wildlife, like you said, and that destroys the environment. And then that is something that is just not good. Just not good for everyone involved, everyone on this blue marble.
1: Right. And when we think about public health, you can say, Cass and MJ, y'all are getting a little like too (laughs) environmental, right? Environmental health and less about public health. But everything that we do as people, as humans, to impact the well-being of our planet also impacts our health and can have population and individual health implications. And so hopefully folks have heard us talk about this enough through the podcast that this isn't something that's coming to mind, but all of these things are connected, which is why our show is called Everything is Public Health.
0: That is correct. So now we have to talk about... The elephant in the room, or I guess the tiny elephant in the room, microplastics. These are defined as plastic particles that are smaller than five millimeters in diameter. So they're tiny and they're just still visible by the naked eye, but they're tiny. And then there's something called nanoparticles, which is even smaller. And current estimates have placed that the average American consumes a credit card's worth of plastic a year which is, you know, incredible.
1: You might be too young for this, but I remember being a kid and we would talk about the number of bugs that we would consume. <laughs> In like processed food, right? right? Because, you know, bugs would get in and they'd be sort of ground up as part of the thing. And I just, it's interesting now that we're no longer talking about how many bugs we eat. We're talking about how much plastic
0: we eat. Yeah, we eat so much plastic. And now I will say the current research is still ongoing about what that does to the body. So some people have suggested that maybe it just passes through us, like most things. They just pass through us and doesn't arm us, Hello, hello, post-production MJ here. It turns out that microplastic has just been found for the first time in human blood and lung samples, so it does not, in fact, just passes through us, it seems. But a lot of research have suggested that these plastic, microplastics in the ocean, they're very good at attracting things. So they're very good at adhering to pollutants. And as a result, when these microplastics adhere to pollutants and then the sea life eats it, we come back to the biomagnifications again. So we're worsening the biomagnification because these plastic particles, they attract bacteria, they attract, you know, lead and mercury and all those other substances. And also they themselves, when plastic breaks down, is also not a healthy compound. So by having having these microplastics in the ocean, we are essentially worsening the current pollution already.
1: When when I first learned about nurdles, I thought N-E-R-D nerd, right? But no. <laughs> right. N-U-R-D Nerdles. These are used to make products. So sort of think of it as like a a pre-product material. And for size reference, like do you eat lentils?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah, like
1: lentils. nurdles are around the size of a lentil. I
0: need beads, essentially. They're
1: little pellets. And when they get into the ocean, they are similar to these other plastics. Like when we think about consumption by wildlife or ocean life, same kind of problem. These are like not an insubstantial
0: Amount. They are the second largest source of micropollutants in the ocean by weight after tire dust. And more than 200,000 tons of nurdles end up in the ocean every year. And they are not categorized as a environmental hazard. So you know how things like oil is categorized as an environmental hazard. So when there's a spill, some people is quote-unquote responsible to clean up. But because these nurdles are not categorized as environmental hazards... When they spill from a container or something, no one is responsible to clean it up. So they just flow onto the shores of nearby nations and they're just plagued by these things. But anyway, so today is one of the first of many forays that we're going to venture into why environmental health is public health. And I think biomagnification is one of the most direct examples. Like if you eat seafood, literally the stuff in our ocean is coming back to you. That's literally what's happening. But we'll give other examples soon in future episodes about why we should care more about the environment and how that ties into our health.
1: Absolutely. And as always reduce reuse and recycle.
0: Yes, and I might even venture something even spicier, upcycle if possible, like circular economies or trying to head towards.
1: We use way too much plastic. In the US, every time much. I go to the grocery store, I'm like, why are we why are we still still despite everything we know packaging things in this particular way it just doesn't make any sense so
0: save this for the bonus because we're going to come back right back to this in the bonus but yeah reduce reuse recycle we'll have more episodes in the future about environmental health coming very soon
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Everything is Public Health. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and spread the word so more people can learn about the awesomeness of public health.
0: New episodes are released every Thursday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It does help the show immensely. Send us questions or comments to everythingispublichealth at gmail.com. Reach out if you think we miss an important perspective or suggest a future episode topic.
1: Follow us on Twitter at everythingisph or Instagram at everythingispublichealth. You can also find me on on Twitter, at Dr. Krafasi. If you want to support the podcast directly, we have a Patreon page, and you can find the link in the episode description below. And remember, everything is public health.
0: Everything is public health.